Hello, everyone. My name is Rob Osell, filling in for Tracy Lee for another episode in our series about engineering leadership. Today, I am here with Cassidy Williams, the CTO at Contenda, a startup advisor, a streamer, a memer. If, it would take up the whole podcast a if dreamer. I said everything. <laughs> but Cassidy, thank you much, so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, to start out on these, we'd like to give people a chance to kind of introduce themselves so that people can kind of understand your journey. So if you could kind of let us know a little bit about how you arrive at and sort of become a startup advisor and a CTO of a startup. Yeah. Ooh, I'm not sure if I should work forwards or backwards. So I'll just start um, no, let's we'll middle work out, backwards. Right? Yeah, middle, middle out. out yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit of zigzagging. <laughs> but um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm the CTO of a company called Contenda, and we're building an app called Brainstory, which is an app that helps you brainstorm ideas um, using good old AI. Um, and before this, I had been in a bunch of different roles, um, working mostly in dev advocacy and dev education and, and that kind of space. And I've kind of jumped around in my career, not necessarily intentionally, just things happen like a pandemic, for example. Um, and it's, uh, what? I, surprise. Um, but anyway, that that's, that's kind of a very, very brief look at, at how I got to Contenda and in terms of startup advising stuff, it's something that I learned that you could do a few years ago. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds fun. And ever since I've been advising startups and it's been a really great time. Well, great. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about this current startup that you're working on and kind of the, the journey that you've had as CTO there and some of the challenges that sort of you've been facing as y'all try to find the, the fabled product market fit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Contenda has been a really fun company to work with and for. Um, when I first got involved with them. It was right at the beginning. And it's kind of a funny story where I have, I have a Patreon where it's mostly I offer like resume reviews and stuff. And we have a really active discord. And uh, my current CEO, Lily, at the time, she was in there talking about interview prep and stuff. And she noticed that I was mailing stickers to everybody in my group. And she was just like, if I built something to help you mail stickers, would you use it? And I was like, yes, because I'm handwriting envelopes. This is very challenging. Uh, it takes so long. Um, so she built this service and uh, with with her co-founders, and it worked so well that she ended up working with uh, Ludwig, the Twitch streamer, and helped him break a world record for the most number of subscribers by mailing stickers to everybody. Um, and as fun as that was, they were just like, oh, wait a minute. This does not scale well. We are mailing so many stickers to people. And so uh, I joined in as an advisor part-time and, and as they were kind of figuring out what they wanted to build, they ended up building various pieces of software to help streamers retain subscribers, creators retain subscribers. Eventually, before all the chat GPTs and everything, they created AI tools to help create more uh, content for more subscribers to hang on. And, and eventually I joined them right at the point where it was turning content into new content. So for example, we could turn this podcast episode into a blog post. Um, and in the most recent months, we've been realizing, you know, enterprise contracts are really hard to come by in this funky economy. And so we started just kind of playing with our own API while trying to sell uh, the Contenda product and Contenda Studio products. Um, and we stumbled upon this idea that ended up 
we ended up liking so much and and users ended up liking it so much that we're slowly but surely pivoting it, it into our own flagship product. And and so uh, BrainStory started as an app that was just built on our API where you could talk to it and then it would transform what you talked to into some kind of summary um, or what you spoke about into a summary. And we refined it and started building a bunch of stuff on top of it. And now it's a brainstorming app where as you start talking to it saying like, I have an idea for a blog post, but I don't know what to write. It'll prompt you saying, okay, well, what target audience do you want? Okay, what sort of topics are you interested in? And as you talk, it kind of helps you come up with it. And we, the initial version of it was actually for high school students to write college application essays. And so we would have like the common app essay questions where it would be like, what's your family like? And we would prompt them so that way it wouldn't necessarily write the essay for them, but it would just help them along and, and coach them through uh, through their essay. And we were like, wait, this is so useful. What if we expanded it to everything? And yeah, anyway, that is how we got to where we are today. And we are building Brainstory brain day in and day out now. So talk to us a little bit about like what it felt like to be making that realization, you know, was... When you're sitting down and you're like, hey, maybe some of our initial ideas aren't getting the traction that we want. We need to make a change. What's going to be our change and plan it out? Or is this a situation where you kind of woke up one day and you're like, we're not sure what to do. Wait a second. We have this thing that's going crazy. Let's just lean <laughs> into that. Like, how did how did y'all realize that made more substantial change to your strategy? Yeah. So I we we were doing so many sales calls and I mean, it's, it's not just us. I think Carta came out with a stat, like more startups have shut down in the past quarter than they have in like more than a decade. So we, we were looking at all of our bad sales records and being just like, we might not be making it. We're not sure what we're going to do because we really like our product. I still use the old version of it, even though we, we don't really sell it anymore. Um, but it just wasn't it wasn't doing it. And we just started talking with advisors. We started talking with friends. We started to figure out, like, what what can we do? Because we have such a good team. We have good software. But what what can we do with it? And, yeah, I think we just got to a point where we were like, what if we just played with it and tried to come up with something? And, and again, it was something that we shipped, didn't think anything of it. But we were happy that it existed because it was something that we liked to use. And then yeah, other people started using it. And I think there was just a point where we had an aha moment where we were like, we're making more money and have more users that genuinely love the product than with our flagship. We should probably just call it. And and it's making a kind of call is challenging when you, because there, there's like the sunk cost fallacy. We're like, we put in so many resources towards this one thing. We had our own custom models. We were using a combination of a bunch of different uh, AI tools to, to make this thing that worked really well, just nobody was really buying it. And then we had this thing where we shipped it in less than a less than two weeks and we we're just like, yeah, it was just a fun thing. And now we're like, wait, this fun thing is actually fun. Um, and it was, I think kind of a wake up call for us where we were realizing that we should build something that it's not just we say it's really good. Trust us. It's something where people are just like, hey, this is really good. You guys are on to something and, and listening to users and, and kind of putting a lot of ego aside. So as you as you're doing this again, like, are you putting out 
multiple feelers because i could see that it's like if you feel like what you have doesn't work it's kind of tough to think we need to come up with a new path you may say oh i know if i'm going to change i want to make sure it's the perfect change and so i'm going to try a bunch of different things but i could imagine that being very difficult to fund and to do properly so how do you decide how much to pursue when you realize what you have isn't working? Was that a discussion internally? Like, were there other projects that maybe went alongside Brainstory that you ultimately decided weren't getting as much traction or not worth pursuing? Yeah, actually. So um, this was at a company offsite in August, so a few months ago, um, where our team, we we were meeting in person for the first time in a while. We were kind of figuring out what we wanted to do to improve our main studio product, where once again, it was transforming videos and podcasts and stuff in, into various other forms. And there was a point where uh, Lily, our CEO and I, we were just kind of, we were just kind of sitting and chatting and, and we were just like, what if we just kind of, for lack of a better word, YOLO'd this, what, what if we just said, we have our API, let's just build a ton of mini apps on it and see what sticks and see what users like. On one hand, it could just be our paying customers might say, oh, your API is good. We're going to up our plan so that way we can use your API more, or we might come up with a product that that is more interesting. And so we then sat down with the team and we truly just had our own brainstorming sessions where we were literally writing on post-its all the things that we could build with our API. And then we all took turns and just kind of ran with it. And um, the the whole like college essay helper thing, that was something that was Lily's idea on the helping students. And then my idea on the, what if we just recorded audio in the browser and, and combined it and, and made that and expanded from there. And we had a bunch of different versions where it was like, a productivity app. We had a D&D planning app for Dungeons and Dragons players. We, we had we had a lot, honestly, like enough where some of them I was like, actually, we could probably still do this someday. Um, but anyway, we we kind of just gave ourselves a solid week, week and a half to just build and see what we could build and see what we could ship. And then everything kind of led to Brainstory because it, it uh, all of the different kind of lessons that we learned from different ones we realized we could just put all of this into one app to make this very solid brainstorming application. Now, with that many different ideas and brainstorms and um, many prototypes maybe in the in the field, and I'm sure there were some people that didn't really feel there was a reason to change, that maybe it just yeah. needed more time for the original thing. So talk to me a little bit about how y'all managed that discussion and in a way that was both productive and respectful and made sure that all the opinions were considered. How did you go about managing that decision? Yeah, that is definitely hard because there is like the sunk cost fallacy of we've put so much effort into this. We just, we just need one good sale or we just need this. We just, we're so close. We're just not there yet. Um, And that it's, it's hard. It's hard to navigate those feelings. Like even I, I had those feelings too, even though I was helping like, uh, champion some kind of pivot because you you don't want to throw away the things that you worked hard on that that is not a fun thing to do but I think our team communicates really well and we also have kind of the disagree and commit mindset where 
if there's something that everybody feels really strongly about or someone feels really, really strongly about, we will hear you out and then we will go in a direction. And if you still disagree, you kind of disagree and commit and say like, okay, I'm not a huge fan of this, but everybody else feels strongly about it. So I'm just going to commit to what the team is working on. And, and I think we've built a lot of trust in our team to be able to do that. And it's worked really, really well for us. Is something like that a mindset? Is that a trait or is that something that can be taught? Because that can be really hard to put mm. aside something that you feel very passionately about, especially in an environment like a startup, I'm sure, where so much is at stake. A lot of people are deeply invested in everything that's going on. It takes a lot to put aside what you believe strongly is correct and fully commit to another vision. Is that is that something that you foster on your team or is that something you recruit for? How does that work out? I think it's something we foster. And I think it's something too where sometimes when someone disagrees strongly and we listen to them, we might not take all of what they say and be just like, you're right, they're completely right, let's go. Or we, we might just like find a common ground. And I think it's something that we foster, but then um, I don't know if you've heard of or read the book Think Again by Adam Grant. Highly recommend this book. It's great. And it's it's all about basically not sticking to what you're thinking, which, you, did, you know, pros and cons of that. But in general, it's all about being willing to be wrong. And I, I do think it's something that is not natural for us as humans, but it's it's something that is really, really helpful in doing better, where if you completely just stick to one thing and knowing that this one thing is perfect, you might be wrong. And then you've sunk all of your time into this one thing being perfect. But if you're willing to be wrong and hear out other perspectives, chances are you're going to learn something and do better. Um, there was an example in the book where it talked about um, this one photography class where half the class said, you have to turn in one photo that's really, really good. And that one photo will be your grade. And then the other half of the class was just take a hundred photos we'll do like some kind of average of all of the photos and the people who took a hundred different photos, they were much more willing to be wrong and just kind of experiment. And they consistently had better photos and grades at the end of the course. Um, mm. And I, I think that it's a really good metaphor for a lot of things where if you kind of do an audit of yourself and be like, I might've been wrong, or maybe my goals have changed or something. And this this kind of applies to you as a person, but I think it particularly applies to teams and startups and opinions and all of that. Um, I think by fostering that and encouraging that, you end up with better ideas and concepts and products at the end of it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fascinating idea. This idea that, you know, as, as leaders, we're often taught, you know, hey, share that, share all the praise to your team and maybe take some of the the blame or the loss but what's interesting in it this doesn't this kind of environment doesn't run counter to that but I, I love this idea that part of what makes this work is nobody's really keeping score mm -hmm. the team is succeeding or the team is failing they don't know that oh that was your idea that was a bad idea you caused this problem right. or like hey i was right we should have done did what i said like i like you said, it, an environment where you don't have people constantly keeping score is an environment where you can be free to be maybe a little wrong, to be a little bit out there. And right. if it sticks and it works, great. And if it doesn't. Yeah, that it reminds me of one of the companies I worked for in the past. One of their Slack channels was just 
the bad ideas channel. And because it was prefaced with bad ideas, people just threw in whatever ideas they were thinking of, whether it was like the company should change its name to this, or what if we had a mascot that was stupid? I don't know, just various, various things like that. And sometimes there were really good ideas and they were, we were like, wait, that's not a bad idea. Let's take it and run with it. And then the other ones, people would be just like, yeah, you're right. That is kind of a silly idea. But because it was named that and that was expected, there was no like shame in it. And nobody was just like, that's a really bad idea. Why would you even bring that up? And I think at our company as a culture, every channel is the bad ideas channel. <laughs> so everyone is willing to just throw out an idea. And if it's not a good idea, people are very open and honest being just like, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of that, but I understand where you're coming from. And we just kind of move on and nobody's ever really hurt if people don't like their ideas. We, we try not to put our self-worth and attachment into ideas that might come out, but we still try to communicate them no matter what. And, and we have really tried to take out the fear of being wrong, um, which is a lot of work to do. But when you do it, I, I think you end up getting a lot better ideas because people are willing to put out all, all of their ideas and concepts. Yeah, that's really sort of underappreciated part, right? Sometimes brainstorming people think the idea is to come up with all things that fit the prompt, that fit the theme. But sometimes right. it's actually your idea is bad, but there's a, a rap about it or an right. approach there's to something it or a thought that's good. And you're like, oh, wow, all of this? Yeah, you're right. That was, that was totally bad. But this piece, oh my goodness, we can build on this. And that can only happen if everybody isn't polishing every idea and cleaning it all up. And you're like, ooh, I can see you spent so much time on that. Right. But no. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and honestly, the uh, I could chill brain story all day, but that's that's literally how we built it, where it's audio first instead of typing, because we've realized if people are typing out ideas, typically when they're just like coming up with something, they're crafting it. But if you're just kind of speaking out your thoughts, a lot of times you'll be just like, actually, I don't really like that, but I did like this. I'm going to go in this direction. And then it kind of adapts to you that way. And, and I think that's how it has to be where if everybody's just putting out their ideas, I, I think a lot of companies and teams, they think that it might be a waste of time then if you spend all this time on an idea that you don't necessarily like. But once again, oftentimes there's something in there that is worth talking about and, and being able to kind of have a culture of that makes a lot of really good ideas come out of it. And I think that's so important for startups in general. Now, we've talked about this idea of disagreeing and committing to the team when you have a better idea or what you believe is a better idea. But there's also this idea I can imagine when you're going through a pivot or a big change in strategy, this idea of kind of being afraid to give up on what you've built and mm. fully commit to the new thing, like always wanting to kind of keep one foot in the old just in case it just needed a little bit more time. But, you know, it's hard to split resources in that way. So can you talk a little bit about how you feel, you know, should you just completely shut the door and move on? How do you deal with what you have already built? We're working on that right now because <laughs> we're, because we we still have customers in our uh, Contenda Studio product and our company is legally called Contenda and so we're we're figuring out like how do we say we're building Brainstory now like yes we are Contenda but look at that and um, I I think there's you kind of have to just 
cut the cord for lack of a better phrase um, and figure out like how you want to do it. And, and sometimes it's not just cutting it off and saying, this is done. We're, we're new. Some companies do that, but then sometimes it's not that easy. And sometimes it actually takes a lot more time and effort that you might not necessarily have. And so for example, for us, we just turned off the free tier for Contenda, which the, the, for, and people still sign up, people still pay for it. It still is lightly maintained because a lot of the infrastructure is shared with Brainstory, but at the same time, we're not advertising it anymore. We are on our social media channels. We're pointing everyone to Brainstory. Unlike our Discord groups and support areas and APIs, branding, everything, we're pointing people to Brainstory. And we're slowly but surely moving that way, changing our email addresses and everything. And it it takes time. And I feel like that that's what has worked for us. I think depending on the company, there's there's probably some where they say, okay, we are the artist formerly known as X or, or something. And, and that we, we see that all the time. I mean, even Twitter, which I know it's called X now, everyone still says X formerly Twitter everywhere because not everybody knows X. And also it's a very small character to click a link on. And, and so it's, it's true. There's, there's, there's a lot of things there. Some companies, they just did like a full, full rebrand, like uh, Vercel used to be called Zeit. Wow, they, I remember those days. Yes. I know. Yeah, they, it, it was a whole thing, but they just flipped the switch and Zeit was dead, long live Zeit. Um, and, and that's just kind of just depends on the company and, and how you want to move people over. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like, it sounds like there are different ways to make this pivot, even a hard mm -hmm. pivot. Right. Um, but at the same time, even if you don't decide to completely kill the past, um, there's still this idea that it you come to a firm recognition that it isn't the future. Would that be accurate to say that regardless of the flavor of pivot that you go through, there's still this idea that, I mean, I guess you don't want to completely close the door, but that there's not a part of your heart that's still hoping it works out necessarily. Right. You, you, you're, you've you've committed to the new way. Yeah, you you have to you have to let go of the past. And I I kind of use the ship metaphor whenever I talk about startups where like when you start a company, you're on a ship that's sinking already. And so your your goal as a startup is to make it move forward while also plugging a bunch of holes. When you're pivoting, it's like you took parts of your ship to make a new boat and you toss it out to sea, you get on the boat and you kind of have to say sayonara to the old boat and and kind of keep moving on the new one and and hope it grows and there are less holes. Uh, and I think that's that's really, that's, that's how it has to be, even though it can be painful sometimes, but you can't necessarily go back unless it's something that was truly a bad decision. And, and even then, sometimes you just have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know, as we're kind of closing out here, I'm kind of curious whether you think that in general, people are pivoting enough or if you think that in general people mm. are a little too afraid to be doing this or just think it's more work or not necessarily that it's more work but that it's a, a scarier concept than it necessarily needs to be how do you kind of see that i think people are pivoting enough in general I, I i in startups in life in all of it and once again that book Think Again by Adam Grant, great book. And there was a piece of advice in there that I've really taken and run with where it's kind of doing regular life audits of yourself, where not like every five years, but truly every three to six months, 
look at yourself and think, are you doing something that you like? Are you doing something that you're good at? Are you doing something that you don't like or that you're not necessarily good at? Are you going in a direction that you want to be going on? Do you have a goal that is old now where it's not necessarily your goal anymore? Uh, do you want to make some new goals? Do you want to refresh old goals? That, that sort of thing. I think it's really, really valuable to do that and being willing to let go of the old goals, the goals that used to be important to you. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen Gilmore Girls. This is a bit of a spoiler, but <laughs> I, if you haven't seen Gilmore Girls by now, it's been a while. Uh, the entire first part of the show, Rory is just like, I'm going to Harvard. Harvard is the one. She has Harvard all over her room. And then there's a point where she like visits Yale. She gets into Yale. And she's just like, wait, but Yale is good, but I can't go to Yale. I, I'm a Harvard girl. And then she goes into her room and her mom has changed all of her decorations to Yale decorations. She's like, wow, this is the one. That's a nice little pivot. It's not a bad pivot. It's a different pivot. It's a different goal. She still ended up fine in the end. Well, debatable. I'm not going to get into Gilmore Girls, uh, Rory Slander. But anyway, I, I think it's it's really important in general for you to be willing to do life pivots. You don't necessarily always need to do it. You could be just really on the right track for yourself and, and you're just sticking with it. But being willing to assess if you need a pivot or not is very important. Um, that's, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's very indicting. Uh, I, I think I'm curious at, at the very end, like this, some people hold conviction as a strength. And I've, I, you know, I've spoken to many leaders who are like having a clear vision of what you want to do and sticking to your vision is a, is a, a trait that people hold in high regard and high esteem. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't strike me after this conversation that pivoting has to come has to mean that you don't have that conviction and that maybe right. that, that that idea of, 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 of having a clear vision can maybe lead you to doing some things kind of going down with the ship, as you sort of said, instead of jumping to the next one that that is waiting for you that has that. So could you speak to maybe that conflict if people are listening to this and saying, no, I, I, I don't want to constantly be second guessing myself. I want to, you know, stick to my vision. Uh, and whether you think that that's actually a conflict you know, the CEO of BlackBerry really stuck to his vision. And where is BlackBerry now? I think like you can have conviction and like there's a lot of core values that you probably care about and, and core missions that you care about that making some kind of pivot and change doesn't necessarily compromise that core vision and, uh, and those core values. And once again, your work is not who you are as a person. You can still have conviction in yourself and what you care about and change your ideas about something. You don't have to be so, so stuck in, in what you believe that uh, you're not willing to change. I feel like the people who do best in their careers are willing to change a little bit here and there and being able to be adaptable. Because if you aren't willing to change and something chaotic happens, for example, once again, a global pandemic, you don't know what sort of things that life will throw at you. And so being able to adapt to the changes that life throws at you and and even just the changes that your mind goes through if something happens um, or just that you kind of change into as you get older and, and more mature, I, I think it's a very normal and important thing to be able to adapt. Wonderful. As, uh, 
as we're wrapping up here, can you let people know where they can find you online if they'd like to hear more from you or just? Yes, you can find me at Casadu, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. And uh, if you want to give Brainstory a try, it's Brainstory, it's spelled how it sounds, dot AI. Uh, and you can try that out for free too. Well, wonderful. Well, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much to Cassidy for being our guest. And thank each of you for being here today to listen. We hope to see you all next time. As we wrap up here, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, This.Labs, who would like me to remind you that they are trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile. This.Labs helps bridge the gap from business requirements to tech implementation, whether you're modernizing legacy systems, ensuring sustainable application architecture, or seeking expert guidance. This.Labs has the experience to help. Discover more at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T C-O. Thank you to them for allowing me to do this, and uh, hope to see you all next time. Thanks. Bye. Sometimes it's hard to bridge the gap between business objectives and tech implementation, and it can get messy. This dot is trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile, and they love helping business leaders fulfill their strategic digital initiatives. Check them out at thisdot.co. One more time, that's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O.